Hi, I'm Ellen Newhouse, and welcome to Heart and Soul. Are you ready to live a soulfully inspired life? If you're ready to dive deep, get seriously honest with yourself, and learn to trust your deep wisdom, then this is the place for you. I'll be sharing unfiltered stories from my own life and those of many other courageous, creative entrepreneurs and transformational leaders who have dug deep inside themselves to heal, honor their amazing wisdom, and dare to take inspired action. No more sitting by the sidelines wishing for a more satisfying life. It's time for you to become the person you have always dreamed of being. Have a career and a life you love. Join us each week to be spiritually uplifted and inspired into action. And oh yes, I'll be giving you homework to get you moving closer to your dreams. Welcome back to Heart and Soul. I'm your host, Ellen Newhouse, and today we have a man who so fascinated me when I met him on Facebook. His name is Adam Walsh, and I'm going to ask him to introduce himself. Hello, Adam. Hello, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to have you be here. So tell the listeners who you are, what you do, and then we'll take it from there. Absolutely. So my name is Adam Walsh. You could probably hear it in the accent, but I'm from Ireland. I'm living out in Canada. And what I do is I work with women entrepreneurs and I help them basically to achieve their health goals, but doing it from a place of self-love. We were just having a quick conversation here just before the, the podcast itself. And we were talking about a lot of people come can come from it from, I guess, a little bit of a soulless perspective or just like, hey, here's A, B and C, get it done and just stop making excuses. But I like coming from a place of understanding ourselves, forgiving ourselves, not pushing ourselves through and making everything hurt from ourselves, but really trying to understand what's holding us back from taking action and basically putting things into, into practice from there and helping people navigate that journey. Mm. And what fascinated me about Adam is, as he said, so many people in this industry are come from, for lack of a better word, a soulless place and are driven by a machinery to make money. And yet when I saw your posts, I was like, whoa, this guy really soulfully understands the journey of healing. And whether we're doing it from sort of a vanity place, like, oh, I just don't like the way I look, but you take it from what I'm seeing in your post, you take it into a very soulful place. And I'm so curious, what got you here? Like, how are you this young and this soulful? That is my curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the comment. I guess it's, and we had this conversation, Giselle, just a little bit before when we were talking about, and this is something I'm still a little bit struggling to answer fully, but I think it's one of those things that when you've been through some things yourself, you can start to see those patterns in, in other people, right? So we were having a conversation that I didn't actually touch on any podcasts before, but a couple of years back, I'm living out in Canada now, as I mentioned just a second ago. But when, before I moved out here, I was like a big video game addict uh, a couple of years back. I didn't really like touching any of this health stuff. 
And I was somebody who was just struggling with with my own kind of form of happiness and all that kind of stuff, right? So health was one of those things. My brother passed away out here about five or six years back in 2015. And it was one of those things that I knew it wasn't going to solve that problem. It wasn't going to, to help just make everything better if I just, oh, maybe I'll go work out and technically it's supposed to make me feel happy or anything like that. But I knew it wasn't going to solve that problem, but I knew that I would have a better chance of getting through each and every day in a better form, a better mood. I'd be able to be my best self a little bit better, even if it's that small difference. And just being able to help people understand that about their own life. I mean, we all have struggles. We all have things that we're falling short on and where we want to be in life and all that kind of stuff. But basically building that 1% on top of itself, like over time, again and again, gives us a really big change in the trajectory of our overall life, even though we can't see it in the short term. So where I got like some of that from is, I guess, being through some of those struggles. I was someone who, as a video game addict, was really struggling to get myself to be consistent in the gym. And I grew up doing martial arts, taekwondo and all that kind of stuff for, for years. But I always knew I wanted to, to make some progress. But I always tried to bully myself through it. And it never worked. And what ended up being the best thing for me, and this isn't going to relate too much to the listeners, but the overall idea of it will. But what I was doing at the time was I was playing video games, maybe 16 hours a day. So what I'd do is I'd get up in the morning, I'd go to the gym, I'd come back and I'd just be like, okay, look. I have that done. I will still continue to play video games for 15 hours. And it wasn't one of those things that were like, oh, I got it like whole turkey, stop it and all that kind of stuff. But what it does is it gave me no pressure on going. It was like, hey, this was an actual hour that I could enjoy in the day. And then from there, I could go and basically not try to change everything in my life at once. And I think that's one of the keys, especially as a lot of the people I work with are go-getters, entrepreneurs. We want to do everything all the way. So I think taking that approach has been super, super helpful. Interesting. So one of the things I read that goes along with this that you wrote is, you know, stop doing the hundred million things that, you know, the, the workout or the fitness industry would tell you to do. Stop reading all the books. Just choose one thing and focus on it. And so I'm curious about that because recently, uh, as you, you know, I told you when you asked me what my goals are, what I'm working on right now is I'm working on getting those extra pounds off that came on when my mom died and she passed away June 2020. So after the first year, I finally said, hello, <laughs> it's time, Ellen. You know, these pounds have come on. We've got to get them off. And as I've gotten older, it's not like when I was younger, it was like, oh, I'm going to take off five pounds. Okay, boom. You know, in one day, I could take off five pounds. Now, it's not so easy. And so what I finally said was, you know what? I know all these things, and yet nothing is happening. So I said, all right, we're going to attack the the things that I think really do make a difference. So I went on the no sugar train. And I have a problem with gluten. So I took all the gluten out because what I have found for me is gluten is like, you know how they say some drugs are like a gateway drug? (laughs) (laughs) Gluten is my gateway drug. It's like unbelievable. It goes in the mouth and then suddenly it's like all other carbs get to go in. It's like, oh, it's like this. (laughs) Getting the party started. (laughs) Exactly. 
But unfortunately, I have not noticed a big, you know, okay, we're talking two weeks, but still two weeks is a long time, right? And I'm like, now on week three, I'm like, all right, I'm still doing the no sugar train and the no gluten train, but I don't find it as easy. And I find that can be, and I'm a super, I love working out. So that's not my issue. I'm like, oh my gosh, to me, not to start my day out working out is, is not happy. So I don't have that problem, but the, you know, I love food. I love good food and I love results really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you do with people like me who want to see, you know, quick results and get very frustrated? That's a great question. And I actually love that you asked that because this is a perfect example of something that we can get caught up in. And I think this is maybe due to how we're marketed, health and fitness and all that kind of stuff. But the way to think about it is weight loss and health aren't always exactly the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. So we can, like, it sounds super simple when we say, okay, can we lose weight without being healthy? It's like, yes, we we can. Mm-hmm. We can just not eat. We can starve ourselves. And can we gain weight eating healthy food and looking after ourselves in terms of all the nutrients that we need? And it's like, yes, we we can. So when you dive into it, those two things are not a direct correlation of each other. And the way we're, I think the things that you mentioned, you're steering away from gluten or trying to control your carb intake and all that kind of stuff, that is something that is looking after your overall health. But just because you're healthy doesn't mean that body fat levels will reduce. <laughs> so-, <laughs> so frustrating, but I, I, like I work out. So what would you suggest at this Absolutely. point? Good question. So basically what we have is on the health side of things, you you have, that's very individual, right? The, the science is so varied on what each and every person needs. When we're talking strictly about weight loss and wanting scale weight or body fat levels to change, what we got to understand is at its simplest level, our body burns a certain amount of energy each and every day. This is different depending on, you mentioned you work out each and every day. So maybe that's a little bit more that it burns for you. Um, it could be genetics, whether someone is going through um, menopause, like postmenopause, all that kind of stuff, depending on diet history, a bunch of different things affect how much energy or calories your body burns each and every day. That's referred to as a metabolism. Basically, what we want to do is if our body burns X amount of energy, we just want to take in a little bit less energy through food. And then that gap is what creates basically what we call a calorie deficit or something that actually controls weight loss on the scale. So we can do that. Unfortunately, I don't recommend this, but there have been studies showing that people with calorie controlled Twinkie diets that are eating purely Twinkies can lose weight at that point. Now you're probably going to be losing a lot of muscle feeling like crap. So I wouldn't recommend that being the way, (laughs) but it's an important thing to understand that the health and body fat loss side of things aren't always hundred percent related. So it's something I do like to to bring up just to, to kind of anchor it in our minds. So So how do you figure out how much energy your body burns? It's a great question. And that touches on the point of, you mentioned that you just got started off two weeks ago and you want to see some results pretty, pretty quickly, right? And I think that's such human nature, even if it's not a huge result. I think if people knew that, Hey, look, each and every week I can lose a pound and a half, two pounds, and I know exactly what to do to get there. I think a lot of people are going to be in such a better position than where they're at now, right? So what I generally recommend people to do is basically understand how much food energy you're taking in. So you can do this through like different apps, like my fitness pal, Noom. And a lot of people have flirted with this in the past or tried tracking things. And they're like, Hey, that 
caused me to be obsessive or this took a lot of time and all that kind of stuff, right? So I do put a lot of systems in place for people for making that simple. And generally, you can boil that down to something that takes less than five minutes a day or what some people will do. Uh, some of my super busy clients will basically they'll plan out their food for the week. Maybe they'll plan out 70% of it. They'll pre-log all of that so that they don't even have to log it as they get to it as they prepare it up or whether they use a meal prep service or whatever that is. And then they'll leave like 30% just kind of freedom so that they have some snacks. A friend invites them out for a couple of drinks or whatever that may be so that you can actually have that all all tie in and you don't feel restricted, right? So basically to answer your question, understanding where the amount of intake that you're taking in is now and how much results you're getting will tell you where your metabolism is. Because if you know I'm eating 1,800 calories and at the end of the week, each and every week, my weight is the same, then it's likely that your metabolism is at 1,800 calories. Wow. Okay. And do you find, so I, because I'm sitting with this, I don't like this idea. Mm -hmm. I don't believe it to be true that women who are either premenopausal or menopausal, simply their metabolisms go down. I don't believe it. Do you believe this? I, this is hard because it does depend on person to person. When you look at the studies, the metabolism seems to be pretty consistent until we hit somewhere around our mid sixties. And then it does start dropping down a little bit. Having said that lifestyle change and a couple of different things ends up happening along the way. Right? So if we're, and this is probably the most common thing that I've seen over the past couple of years. If people have been dieting for longer periods of time, and maybe they got some initial weight loss, at a certain point, when you're eating less and less, what is body fat? It's a store of energy for survival, right? So if we are eating less and less, our body doesn't understand that there's a fridge a couple of meters away from us and that we can eat more. (laughs) All it realizes is that there's a lack of food. When that lack of food is there, our body's going to adapt through smaller means, like we'll be fidgeting less, we'll be moving around less, we'll decide to drive instead of walk somewhere. And what will happen is our metabolism starts slowing down. When that happens, that's one of the things that it happens to everyone. I think people have demonized it as, oh, that's my metabolism is now broken. I I can't get it back to where it goes. And then we'll look through these metabolism pills or these supplements in order to, to try and fix that. Whereas controlled doses of eating more can actually bring our metabolism back up the same, the same way is the opposite of exactly what actually brought the metabolism down in the first place. So it does change for people, but it is within their control to be able to bring that metabolism up and bring it down once they understand the mechanisms behind it and what's actually going on. I knew you wanted me to have ice cream. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually having this conversation with a client recently and Mm -hmm. because she's going through a process like this. And something like that is always really good to organize around the holidays. So let's say if you understand the mechanisms behind it and you're like, hey, look, I'm going to eat a little bit more to bring my metabolism up. There's numbers and stuff like that and approaches to do it so that you're not gaining body fat as you go. But if you can time that with the the holidays or whatever celebrations you're having, it it ends up working out perfectly because you can fit that ice cream in there. Oh, so good. So So you work with people one-on-one or in groups or how do you work with people? Yeah. So with all of my work at the moment, it's all done one-to-one. Reason being is I think everyone's in a little bit of their own own journey with this stuff. And I feel a lot of people that would get progress from group coaching are people who'd get progress from just searching up the information 
online. I feel like they would have already had that problem solved. So I like bringing people through that journey, understanding where they're at, what's holding them back. And so all of it's done through through one-on-one coaching. And I find that found that to be the best for results because I have experience with with all. Right. And do you find that there is a correlation between let's say emotions or things that people aren't necessarily giving to themselves like for me, for example, I don't give myself a lot of rest. Although this weekend, yay, I finally surrendered and said, yes, Ellen, rest. So do you find that there are things that people, in addition to just merely calories and food and exercise, that there are other things that you work with, with people on this weight loss journey? I love that. Yeah. So you pretty much nailed it. With weight loss itself, it will always come down to the calories. So if you got bad quality sleep and all that kind of stuff, and somehow you get your calories in check, your scale weight would be the same. You'd probably be losing a lot more muscle and all that kind of stuff. But when we are, I don't remember the exact numbers on this, so don't quote me on the exact numbers, but I believe it's when we're sleep deprived by around two hours that we can actually, on average, eat somewhere between 250 and 300 calories more per day. So, and it's probably not, not the best calories. You're probably making yourself, you know, just like more sugars, ice cream, all that kind of stuff, which is nothing wrong with in moderation. But all of this stuff has an effect on it. And it would be, I think, crazy to say that it doesn't. Because if we don't sleep, then even if we lose the same amount of weight, and this, the studies show this, we will be losing a lot more of that weight from muscle than we will from body fat, which is generally what people aren't looking for because they want that overall toned developed look whether it's looks that you're going for whether it's a, a strength and just feeling good and all that kind of stuff the muscle is pretty important to, to hold on to as we're we're losing weight absolutely and especially as we get older we're losing so much muscle mass per year it's shocking it's like what? i mean i mean it just is it's like you're battling you know i mean it feels like an uphill battle to keep the muscle on so one of the things that I find troubling or is, is the scale is that we get on the scale and we look at the numbers and we go, <gasps> but it's not, it's not the real story. And to find the real story, often those tests are very expensive and they're not easily attainable by a lot of people. Are there any cheap at home, easy ways to figure out where you are, not just on the scale, but how much muscle you have, how you're doing with your body fat. Is there an easy way to figure that out? Great question. And that actually is one of the biggest things that sends people on these loops. They'll do some aggressive diet, things might be going well, and then the the scale will move and they'll be like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? You piece of, you know, (laughs) and we can't actually like make continuous progress if we're always beating ourselves up that way. So Phenomenal question. Three things I bring people through is one, scale weight. I'll touch on this a little bit more in detail in a second because a lot of us have a either good or bad view of the scale. It's either the best tool ever because you can't understand what's going on without it or it's horrible because it doesn't tell you the real story and no one kind of uses a middle point and finds out a way to use it. So I'll touch on that in a second. Mm. Measurements is another good way. So Mm -hmm. if you're taking like measurements of all the main body sites, you can search up online. It'll take you two minutes to to see how to take your measurements. Generally, if you're losing body fat, you're going to see a bunch of it around the waist. For women in general, it tends to be more around like thigh area and all that kind of stuff that we hold on to extra body fat. 
but understanding each area and seeing what's moving will give you a good idea if things are progressing, even if the scale weight doesn't. And then thirdly is just body. Like if you're comfortable taking them, you don't ever have to share them with anyone, but just body progress pictures. And that will give you a good understanding. Hey, look, if I look at a picture of me a month now or then two months in the future, then is there a difference? Are you seeing some progress? So I think those three things are super helpful. You can get scales that will claim to show your body fat percentage and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, they're pretty inaccurate and can end up just getting you more attached to the numbers and driving you crazy. But what I find, especially if it's just weight loss that someone is aiming for and weight loss being body fat loss, one of the most important things that you can do is checking in with the scale, but realizing that it will fluctuate and understanding the reasons behind those fluctuations. So if a random person, let's say they're 200 pounds, just for simplicity with the numbers, if they check in with the scale and they're 196, or let's say they're 200 pounds today, and then they're 198 next week or or the next day, and then the day after that, they're like 201.1, they'll be looking for, oh, what, what did I do wrong yesterday? And they'll be looking at it too close and it's kind of like looking at a stock, but being really zoomed in. It's it's not giving you the entire picture, right? So we have things like stress, things like how much salt we have intake, whether it's your monthly cycle coming up that will bloat us. There's a billion different things that will affect a range of somewhere between maybe five and eight pounds for people. Generally, it's a little bit shorter or a little bit smaller. So what I generally get people to do is weigh in multiple times per week. Don't be too obsessed with the number on any of those given days. Get the average of the weigh-ins. And then compare the averages from a week-to-week basis so that you can really understand where the trend is going. And that will make sure that you have the data without being too obsessed with a number or beating yourself up on a day-to-day basis. You can really zoom out, look at your week, look at what you can change. And then from there, it's a lot less, it's a lot easier to steer away from the, the emotions and the roller coaster of what the scale will normally give you. Oh, I love that. I think that's a great idea. So When you work with people, do you do anything with mindset and visioning or is it purely food and exercise? That was a good question again. (laughs) So generally what I do is I lay out the information for them. Person, it's very hard at the start to really draw that out of a person because I think people don't understand themselves what's holding them back. So I think the best way to go about it is give them the information, but then make sure that they have that information in a way that gets them to feel comfortable implementing that into their week. So like, let's say if I just told you that, okay, look, you're eating this amount this week. This is the workouts that you have, but you're like, Hey, screw you, Adam. I'm working like 15 hours a day. I I can't do that. Like you need to manipulate this information and cut out the things that aren't important. If you need to slide that within a, a specific lifestyle and that might be preferences. You might be like, I enjoy my wine on Saturdays. That is not going away. Cool. Fine. So once people are happy with the model that they have, and once they're convinced that that will basically move them forward and give them progress, what we're doing then from there is running with that. So setting that up, giving them, because what I do is I touch in my clients um, at the least each and every week. But at the end of the week, either one of two things will happen. Either one, cool, they've gotten that process in place. They're starting to see progress golden, perfect. How do we fit this within your lifestyle better? How do we make this easier for you so that you have more sustained results? Other option is it doesn't work. From there, you actually have the information of what's going wrong. Cool. Are you, why weren't you able to do it? Oh, I was struggling. I was 
not really sleeping well. Perfect. Cool. How do we now we dive into sleep? Now we'll have the information of what to actually jump into there. To answer the question truthfully, it's a fine balance because a lot of people will try to fix everything in their life to make weight loss happen. Mm, that's interesting. Good. Okay. So wait, we're going to stop right here. They try to fix everything in their life to make weight loss happen. What does that mean? So some people will think about, and yes, indirectly, there's an effect on, hey, look, if I'm feeling better in my life, if I'm feeling more energetic, if I feel like more aligned, if I feel more happy, if my spiritual practice is better, then I will be more successful at losing weight. But some people will use that as a crutch being like, yeah, I'm not going to lose weight here because I'm not aligned with myself or I'm not feeling, you know what I mean? Oh, interesting. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that you could argue either side. It's like, Hey, because I've, I've seen people in the past not being able to make progress because of a life situation. Let's say they're in a relationship that doesn't serve them. It doesn't matter what information you throw at them. If that person is feeling crushed under a life situation, I don't think it's, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like you have certain base needs before your your self-actualization goals, before the main things that you want to be working on. So there's certain life situations that just feel crushing that you feel like you can never get out of. And sometimes that's, that's correct. Like let's say if someone's in an abusive relationship, someone is really unhappy with something going on in their life. It makes it a lot harder. And sometimes that's something that you have to deal with. And then it becomes a lot easier. But a lot of times I see people taking approaches, going online, hearing, okay, look, it's this diet, it's keto, it's this, it's it's X, Y, and Z. And then something won't work for them. And it becomes very easy to think, okay, what's wrong with me? Uh, uh, okay. And then trying to fix all that stuff before before making progress. Okay. So one thing you just touched on that makes me absolutely insane, and I'm curious what you think, is we do, we have all these things. Yeah, do keto. That's going to lose all the weight. No, no, don't do keto. Do low fat. No, don't do low fat. Do high protein. What do you think about all these things? So any diet is going to come back to what we chatted about earlier with the, the calorie side of things. Let's say if we start taking in keto, for example, I think it's I think it's died down a little bit recently, but that was probably the biggest trend over the past couple of years. What will happen is people stop taking in carbs. They start limiting the foods that they take in. And for the most part, they end up being more selective about the food that they're taking in. So they'll end up being like, hey, it's the lack of carbs that's giving me progress, but it's less that and more the fact that you're basically being more careful about what you're eating. You are generally restricting what you're eating, so you're going to be taking in less food overall. So the way I look at it is if you're very black and white about the diet that you're you're approaching, it limits your ability to make progress. And not saying that keto or any diet out there doesn't work because you can make any diet work. So if you have a preference, cool, perfect, pull the trigger on it. But I think people are misunderstanding where that results are actually coming from. And by having extra restrictions that put make things harder on ourselves, I feel like we're limiting our ability to make progress. If someone like myself, I absolutely love carbs. If you try to be like, hey, Adam, screw you, the bread isn't existing anymore I, i'd go mental but <laughs> if someone in my situation was told hey look you can't lose weight without keto cool maybe if i went on keto i would start losing weight but at the end of the day could i do that while eating still eating those carbs yes would i be more likely to maintain that result if i still eat those carbs definitely 
So it's finding out what works for you. And I get that that's not super actionable advice, but do always refer to just taking in a little bit less, trying to understand where your metabolism is through tracking. And you don't have to track forever, just basically to give yourself a little bit of a ballpark, get yourself making progress. And then you can stop looking at everything so closely. We don't have to be obsessive about it. But if we can understand what drives progress, it's kind of like a a bank account. You're not looking at it each and every day being like, how much exactly came out? But you want to have an overall idea. Is the balance going into a positive direction? Is it going in a negative direction? And it's, it's very similar. Hmm. Oh, I like that. Okay. Two more questions. One, do you have any hacks for people like me who, when life isn't going well, I'm like, Ooh, I'll just have a little crunch here and a little crunch there. I think those crunches start adding up to a lot of calories. Do you have any hacks for that? And then I have one more question. <laughs> Good question. So look, the, the way I look at it is everyone's different with that. If I can ask you a follow-up question, do you, you're, you're exercising, right? You're looking after your health in certain ways and you're, you find that snacks are adding up. The way I would generally, the framework I would generally give to people is the habit loop. So understanding where those snacks are coming from. We have cue, routine, reward and that's basically what happens with the habit right so snacking fits in there for you is it what do you feel like is the main trigger is it boredom is it actual hunger is it sadness is it a certain emotion no it's never hunger for sure i'm sure i'm not hungry it's frustration it's like if something like yesterday i had something that happened i was expecting one result and something else happened. And I was so frustrated because I'd been so looking forward to getting this thing back and it came back and it was not so good. And so I, I stood there in the kitchen and I was snacking on plantains, crispy plantains. Now, I mean, those are not the worst thing in the planet, right? They're not going to kill you. But as I was snacking on, I was laughing because I was like, really, Ellen? And I was like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to eat them. I'm like, okay. And we had a, like a whole deep dialogue within myself. But at the end of the day, it's like, I was not hungry. I was frustrated. Great question. So I'm going to give you the answer to that and to give you a, a method for it. But one thing I will say before it is sometimes it's okay to have this stuff. Once we understand, hey, look, I actually have room for 300 calories worth of plantains that that's actually not affecting my result. It's the, oh, I had plantains. Now I'll have some cookies. Now I'll have some wine. Now I'll have some, you know what I mean? Sometimes yeah, no, that's what- it doesn't what... go down that thing. Okay. It Perfect. doesn't seem to do that, yeah. Cool. So for some people it might, but as long as that's not happening, that's that's completely fine. So you mentioned frustration is what ended up maybe getting you, you were sitting there eating away at the plantains. And afterwards, you probably have some relief from that frustration, right? Uh, yes, yeah, some. Some. <laughs> At least it distracts you from it for a certain exactly. period of time. And it took a while, but I started to think, I was like, what could I have done differently? And, you know, because it's crunchy, it's like, it's so specific. And I thought, you know, if I had a punching bag, maybe going and hitting that would have been better, but I want to hear from you. Yeah. You touched on that. I think you have literally just answered it, but maybe the re- understanding the reason why is important. So I mentioned the habit loop. You have cue, routine, reward. So what a cue is, is the thing that starts that habit for you each and every time. So for you, that would be frustration is your cue. Totally. The routine that you're doing is snacking on something. And the reward that you're getting from that is maybe it's not reducing or getting rid of that frustration, but maybe it's 
for a temporary while for five minutes while you're eating it kind of pushes that away right so it's solving the problem of that frustration mm. so when we look at this we, we try to solve that problem of oh how do i just not eat it and we just kind of sit there then just like fidgeting we're frustrated and it, it doesn't really solve anything so the way we can go about it is identify what's causing the routine what's causing the eating it's coming from the frustration if we find a way to change the routine to get the same reward of getting rid of the frustration all of a sudden we don't have that craving for that snack mm. oh i love so that what that might look like you literally hit on it it was and maybe this this seems crazy it's like i'm hungry <laughs> it's punching back time right. but like <laughs> anything that solves that problem for you i literally had people before just be like okay look it's five six deep breaths like a meditative practice it's something small anything that gets that solves the problem that initially causes that craving is one of the big things. I love that. Well, I am not that mellow of a person. So punching that bag or something like that, I teach people something called wood choppers. So I might try that the next time. Okay. How does the wood choppers work? So basically you stand up and you clap your hands because there's a chakra on each hand. And then there's a chakra at the bottom and you breathe in. And then you would go over with a ha, ha, and then you, it's, it's like you're chopping wood. Yeah. And what it does is that particular exercise, um, it's a loop of energy, but it expels a lot of frustration, anger. It's really good. And at the same time, grounding, because most exercises that re release anger do not ground people. And especially here in the United States, people are, don't tend to be grounded in their physical body. So I really like it for that. I so, love it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's exactly what we chatted about, right? You're solving a problem that that problem is causing the next quote unquote problem, which is the start of that habit loop. So I exactly. love it. Something like that would work. And, yeah. And I love that loop. And I'm sure for people who are listening, Adam has other loops if your cue is sadness. So, so, oh, before I ask you, because I have one other question to ask you before I, I let people know how to get in touch with you is what's with the guitars? Oh, I just have them hanging here in the office. So yeah. I've been playing them on and off since I was, I guess, 12 when I got my first guitar. I played it for like a year or two, and then I stopped for probably like six years. So then every now and then I just pick it up. And I, I, it just it's a habit, something I enjoy doing. I've never been consistent with it. But I guess over the years, I've gotten pretty good. So it's just, I guess, testament to say that if you just do something for a long time, even if you're not perfect with it, that you'll, you'll end up improving. So if we can bring that into <laughs> our conversation here. <laughs> well, I do something called sound healing. So I love music and I was so curious. I'm like, how does this tie in with that? He's this fitness, you know, leader and expert. And I just, so, you know, yes, I think if we do focus on one thing and we continue to do it consistently, I believe we do get results. And for those of you who happen to be like me and want results immediately, I think at least understanding what's going on and if we can lean into that understanding that can take us from the frustration of not seeing immediate results and understanding. And that's what I really love about you is that you really offer people 
a soulful way to understand this whole journey. And it is a journey, you know, and we're always changing. And as we change, our body's needs change. And so if people are in the throes of a moment of frustration with their weight loss or even health journey, because I want to, it's bigger than just weight loss, right? Is so how can they get a hold of you? Absolutely. So the easiest way would be by connecting with me on Facebook, Adam Walsh. And then what we can do is we can hook you up. Maybe you can search this separately on Facebook as well. We have a Facebook group called The Lean Professionals. And in there, basically, we shoot trainings each and every week on helping you actually understand what's going on, how to make progress, how to troubleshoot things if they're going wrong, and basically just have a community in there so that we can all bounce each other or bounce ideas off each other and support each other that way. So the Lean Professionals Facebook group or add me on Facebook. Let me know where you, you came from the podcast here and I can hook you up to that one then right away from there. Awesome. Adam, thank you so much for bringing your beautiful wisdom and your understanding of this very complex at times and yet very simple journey. So Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. It's a pleasure. Thank you, my dear. And for those of you who are listening, I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining me on the Heart and Soul podcast. It's such a joy for me to be with you. I know firsthand how much easier it is to rise when you have community to laugh with, shed a few tears with, and be inspired by. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, go subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas, or you might want to be a guest on my show, please contact me directly at ellennewhouse.com. And while you're there, grab the special resources I have created for you to begin to take inspired action in your own life. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.